Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are grateful the world is more and more embracing how important taking care of our mental health is. Everyone has those days where they feel off, not themselves, or depressed. Sometimes people might even hear voices, and for those things, it can be important to seek help. And before we get to our stories, I just have one favor to ask. After you listen to the podcast, don't forget to rate or review. We love hearing from listeners. And if you know someone else you think would enjoy some good ghost stories, please forward the episode. You must always be aware if you're at risk for being possessed because those entities will ultimately drive you mad. First, don't believe your eyes, followed by the shift from hell. Then it never leaves. Finally, in our featured story, she haunts at night. So, wanna hear something scary? My mind is haunted. Sometimes we are so dead set on what we think, it's hard to convince us that there might be a different reality. And if we can't see the truth, the result can be deadly. Like in this story, inspired by Olivia Moore. Alicia needed a break from all the stress and anxiety that weighed on her like a bag of bricks. She booked a week-long vacation for herself and her girlfriend to see the Great California Bay. All she had to do was get through the four-hour drive, make it through airport security, survive the flight, get to the destination without getting lost, then make it through the entire vacation without thinking about work. Brooklyn's excitement helped Alicia snap out of her thoughts, grab her bags, and repeat her ritual checklist to herself. Keys, 
Wallet. Stove off. Lights off. Bags. Check. Brooklyn shouted to the group that they were going to miss their flight, but Alicia didn't want to forget something. It could mess up all of her plans. The women jumped in an Uber and Alicia started going over in her head all the things that could go wrong when she noticed on the headrest was a baseball cap. It was an odd looking thing. The colors, team, and number didn't match. When they arrived at the airport, Alicia was overwhelmed by how massive it was. She tried to figure out where they were going. As they walked towards security, she spotted a man in an odd looking baseball cap following closely behind them. It looked just like the one from the Uber. They were at an airport after all, and people were bound to go the same direction and even be wearing similar hats. But as time went on, he was everywhere they were, right behind them in any line. He was even on the same flight as them. Brooklyn didn't seem to notice, but it was all Alicia could think of. Why is he still here? Why is he following us? What if he wants to hurt us? Did he take anything from us? Babe. Are you all right? Brooklyn asked. Alicia looked up and said she was fine, just needed a second. Alicia repeated her checklist to herself, hoping it would calm her. Keys, check. Wallet, check. Stove off, check. That man sitting in the chair across from us, check. It was him, sitting right across from them on the plane. Alicia broke out into a cold sweat. Brooklyn pressed to ask what was wrong. That guy followed us to every line. He got on this flight. He's even sitting across the aisle from us right now. Brooklyn glanced over to the seat next to them. There was no one there. She asked if Alicia was certain he's actually on that flight. Was she sure she wasn't just imagining things? Alicia's heart dropped as she looked over to the supposedly empty seat. There he was, smiling right at her with a sinister intent eyes shaded by that odd baseball cap. You can't see him? Brooklyn shook her head. They both just needed to close their eyes. Alicia slumped back in her seat, but there was no way she would be able to fall asleep now, not with his gaze fixed upon her. A few hours later, they landed and Alicia was hurrying to exit. But when she stood up, the man stood up as well. All he did was stand, he didn't move. He just stood there blocking her path. Alicia's heart was in her throat. She waited for a minute, watching the man, but he didn't budge. With a deep breath, she rammed past him and hurried off the plane. Brooklyn followed closely behind. They walked out of the gate and Brooklyn grabbed her hand. What was that? You just shoved a poor lady to the ground. Seriously, what's wrong with you? Alicia was shocked. She had seen the man. He was deliberately keeping her in her seat. She began to panic as she weaved through the crowd. Brooklyn struggled to keep up as they headed out to flag down a cab. Alicia took out her phone to update her parents about the safe landing, but as soon as she took off airplane mode, a text from an unknown number appeared. Hello, Alicia. Why don't you turn around? She dreaded the thought of something being behind her, but she looked. To her relief, there was nothing there. She turned back around then froze when she saw the creeper right in front of her, the baseball cap still shading his face. Panic set in and she couldn't see Brooklyn anywhere. She tried to go through her checklist. Keys, check. Wallet, check. Brooklyn? But it was no good. She grabbed her keys from her pocket, clutched between her pointer and middle fingers, just like she learned in self-defense class. 
She didn't even think. She just pounded her fist with the key into the crazy man's neck. It seemed to work. He was on the ground, not moving. A shrill scream jolted her. A little girl and her father had witnessed it all. Alicia tried to explain. It was okay, she killed the stalker. But when she looked back down, all she saw was the bloody body of Brooklyn, lifeless on the ground. Her knees buckled and she fell next to the pool of crimson blood that she herself created. At the police station, Alicia was placed in a small room. She was in a daze. A lawyer came in and placed a cup of water in front of her. She looked up, but all she saw was the man in the baseball cap. Have you ever swore you saw something or someone that no one else did? Did you have to do something extreme to get rid of it? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All too often, we wrongly attribute rituals to something like OCD. But sometimes those compulsive acts are the very thing actually keeping us safe and sane as in this story written by Janine Pipe. I always wanted a job where I help people. Even as a little kid, family members would remark on my calming presence and that they felt comfortable opening up to me. So working on a psych ward didn't scare or faze me. I saw it as a very important job, a place to put my excellent listening skills to use. Of course, some of my patients were a little odd, but none were dangerous. It was an environment to support and rehabilitate them, not to punish. Over the years, I met with some real characters. They would often have certain idiosyncrasies, many of them suffering with forms of OCD and the like, so routines and rituals helped calm them. And then I met Lenny. By then, I was in my mid-20s and had dealt with patients from all sorts of backgrounds with varying medical histories and a huge array of diagnoses but none of them had been like him. If it weren't for the fact that we were in the 21st century, he would probably have been persecuted as some sort of heretic. But thankfully, his religious delusions were treated with medication and kindness. Every evening before he went to bed, he had a certain routine that he had to adhere to. He would trace the line of a crucifix on each of the four walls in his small room. It calmed him, and once it was complete, he would get into bed without a fuss and go straight to sleep until lights on in the morning. But the couple of times he almost didn't get to fulfill the ritual. He was like an animal until he managed to do it. 
even once throwing himself out of bed and getting injured, just so he could still make the wall signs. And then, one night, he missed it. Sometimes the patients get sick, and just an ordinary cold or stomach complaint can be enough for all hell to break loose. To be honest, Lenny shouldn't have been as ill as he was presenting, but occasionally happens, and he was dosed up on his regular meds, plus a ton of antibiotics and painkillers, AKA out for the count. I made sure to check on him as often as I could, but there was no change and the doctors thought it best just to let him rest. When I got in the next morning, he was asleep. Apparently one of the nurses had tried to rouse him and he started garbling some nonsense so they left, knowing I'd be in soon enough. I tutted knowing a high temperature can make anyone seemingly speak in tongues and headed straight to see him. He made me jump as he was in fact no longer asleep but sat up in bed, staring at the wall. Good morning, Lenny, I called cheerfully. No answer. Well, that was okay. I headed over to him and something made me pause. Again, working on wards like these, you can get accustomed to all sorts of smells, but this was like nothing I'd come across before and I had put my hand over my nose. Come on, Lenny, let's get you up and showered. I began when I looked at him. Lenny, the patient I had been working with for over a year, had a look on his face I'd never seen. Underneath the skin of his face, he looked different somehow. Suddenly, he jumped off the bed and rushed me, pinning me against the wall with his hands around my throat. Lenny? I managed to squeak and I will never forget his words. Just before an alarm sounded and a guard rushed in to help, he whispered, what makes you think I'm Lenny? Do you have any rituals you must adhere to? If so, have you ever missed it? Did anything happen to you? Sometimes, what we desperately want out of our lives is the thing that will haunt us forever. Like in this story, inspired by Colin Austed. Connor couldn't look up, not since the day he entered his mother's house and found it. No matter how enticing or alluring the thing above his head sounded, he couldn't look up. Not even as it made that constant clicking sound as it crawled across the ceiling above him. It was the clicking of many feet as it hung above him like some predator from hell, haunting his every thought. He had tried everything, from meditation, listening to white noise, and wearing noise-canceling headphones wherever he went. But nothing seemed to help. He knew it was only a matter of time before he gave into the temptation and let the thing with his mother's voice take him away. He sat with his eyes closed in his office chair and thought back to one month ago when his nightmare began with a midnight phone call. The sudden ringing jerked Connor awake. It was the lawyer in charge of Connor's dead mother's estate. The man expressed his condolences. Don't bother, Connor thought. The mother he loved was gone long before she actually died, since he was a teen, really. The lawyer continued, Connor and his brother, as the sole survivors, were entitled to all of her belongings. Connor sighed. Reluctantly, he said he would go over there that weekend and clear out the house himself. They'd put it on the market and be done with the matter, and his mother for good. A few days later, Connor stood in front of the one place he had hoped 
he would never see again. As he pushed his way through the faded fence, he noticed something. Dolls everywhere, staring at him from the grass. All of them were posing on small bikes or having a tea party. He could see weeds growing right through their hollow eye sockets, and all of them seemed to follow him as he made his way up the porch, where more dolls were playing hopscotch or skipping rope. Connor dug out the hidden key from the fake rock and entered the property. The smell hit him first. Mold, rot, and burning plastic assaulted his senses. Pulling on latex gloves, he took a trash bag and started binning his childhood, now coated with dust and cobwebs. As he worked, he tried hard not to think about his time in the house, but memories of the nights his mother spent in a drunken rage as he and Trey hid in his bedroom closet grew stronger with every minute. As he made his way out of the living room, his foot snagged on something hard. With a cry, he fell to the ground and he turned to see the dark outline of someone on the floor near the door. He pulled out his phone and switched on the flashlight. There, kneeling on the floor, holding a toy car and covered cobwebs, was a life-size doll of himself. As his eyes adjusted to the dim light, he saw that it was him as a kid. The doll was dressed in his old clothes and it wore a wig that a single spider crawled through. Then he saw the other dolls around him. One at the end of the hall looked like Trey when he was younger, but the third doll made his hair stand up. It looked like his mother. It was even dressed in one of her old aprons. In her hands was a tray of moldy cookies. Oh, mother, what happened to you? Connor asked. It was then that he heard the clicking. It was faint at first, as if coming from somewhere far away, but as it grew louder, it seemed to be coming from above him. Maybe rats, he thought. On the left was his mother's room and on the right was his. As he put his hand on the doorknob, the clicking sound grew until it was right over his head. Then someone spoke, someone he hadn't heard in years. My sweet little boy, you've come home at last. His mother's voice was the same as it had been, high-pitched, slurred, and full of rage. I'm not your son, whatever you are, Connor said, trying to keep the fear out of his voice. I am your mother, the thing said. I know my own son. My mother is dead, Connor growled, and you should go and join her in the depths of hell. The thing demanded he look at her. It was that moment that Connor knew that if he did, the thing that hung above him would devour him. He vowed to destroy the house and everything in it. There was a door half hidden by garage bags in the kitchen. With a great tug, Connor opened it and the same burning plastic smell hit him. Guided by his flashlight, Connor made his way down a set of steps, holding onto the banister to keep himself from falling. As he shone his light downward, he saw that the stairs were covered in doll parts, as if his mother had made her own kids into dolls after the state took them away. We can be family again, the thing above him said. Connor tried to shut out the voice as he made his way into the basement. He held his flashlight high so it illuminated the horrors around him. A large metal container was hissing and bubbling. Tubes fed off it like some grotesque octopus that reached a set of human-sized molds that stood in the middle of the room. There were three of them. One was tall and two the size of small children. On the opposite side of the room stood a set of shelves that held a collection of paints, wigs, folded clothes, and other items. Connor's stomach churned. Connor felt a shiver run as his mother's voice instructed him to sit next to the machine 
so they could get started, make her perfect little family. With one giant kick, Connor knocked the metal container over, spilling the boiling plastic everywhere. It burned and hissed as it reached the metal shelves and the wigs caught fire. With his eyes burning, Connor ran up the stairs and slammed the door. He could hear the thing scratching and clawing at the door as the flames licked around the edges of the frame. From outside, he watched as his mother's home was consumed by the flames and somewhere inside, the thing with his mother's voice shrieked with anger and pain. He immediately took off in his car. Once home, he grabbed some alcohol to forget the day, just like his mother used to. He flopped on the couch, then heard, Silly little boy, the thing said. You can't hide from your mother. And it had been with Connor ever since, just waiting for him to finally look up. Have you ever felt like you wanted a second chance with someone, a do-over? What lengths would you go to get that fresh start? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of Evil Fairies, which is now animated over on our YouTube channel. The same incident can be viewed in distinct ways by different individuals. What one person may overlook could be another's horror. Such recollections can be maddening. At just 10 years old, I found myself in yet another psychiatrist's office, the third one to be exact. This time, the doctor had me sketch and take Rorschach tests. Desperate to understand what was going on in my young mind, but he came to the same conclusion as everyone else childhood schizophrenia. I initially dismissed the concept, yet the haunting imagery of my past continued to replay in my mind. There was no denying that that girl creeping into my room had to be real. I had been safe for months, but the time I most feared was now here, another loose tooth. I didn't touch it. I even stopped eating so nothing would shake it because I never wanted that demon to come near me again. I woke up that terrible night and I looked at the clock, 3.33 a.m. I'm not sure what woke me, but I rolled over and pulled my comforter closer to my chest. But then I heard it, the buzzing sound like a chainsaw in the distance. I pressed my pillow against my ears to quiet the noise, but it only became louder. As I sat up in my bed, a wave of dizziness hit me and I became aware of the growling sensation in my stomach. Maybe I'm just hungry, I thought to myself, and I decided to slip out for a midnight snack. But as I heard the door slowly creak open, I knew it would be best to lay back down quickly. After all, if my mom caught me awake, I'd surely be in trouble. All of a sudden, an overpowering stench attacked my nostrils. As the buzzing grew louder, it almost seemed to muffle all other sounds. I pretended to be asleep, hoping that whatever it was would go away. The shadow slithered across my room as I turned just enough to catch a blurry glimpse of it. I clenched my eyes and hoped not to scream. The irritating buzz was nearby. The creature was probably right above me. And then suddenly, the pungent stench of a sour odor made me gasp, as if a dead rat was left cooking in the sun. My eyes were burning. I didn't want to turn over, 
but I had to see what was causing the rotten stench. Mine, all mine, shiny, pretty pearls, a voice whispered, eerily resembling that of a young child, sending shivers down my spine. Slowly, I rolled back over to catch a glimpse. In the faint gleam of my nightlight, she appeared before me, a ghastly pale girl. Her skin looked blood-drained, hued, a grayish blue. She was tiny, like a small child, and covered in crusty reddish-brown bloodstains. The stains matted the tips of her short pink hair and bangs. She had a sick smile her lips curling at the corners as she cackled and giggled. Her wings were scaggly and torn, yet somehow she managed to carry herself across my room, buzzing in my face. I couldn't scream. The air was so thick around me, it was making me woozy. I knew exactly who this was. The girl of my nightmare from months ago. She pounced, straddling me and pulling a pair of faded pink pliers out from behind her back. She screeched a horrific high pitch. Her voice dripped with a sense of stress and urgency. But while she was screaming, I saw something even worse. Her mouth, it wasn't really a mouth, more of a rotting black maw. She had barely any teeth and those that remained in the void were misplaced like a patchwork nightmare. I struggled against her grip, knocking her against my bedside lamp, turning it on. Her image became clear in the light. There was a crown on top of her head, jeweled with teeth, patterned like macabre diamonds, rotting flesh and unknown gunk rained from her mouth like a mist. I understood the scent of death and decay lingering around her. It was worse than ever. We struggled against each other's grips for an agonizing amount of time. I was crying out for help, but no one was listening. I flung her off my bed and onto the floor. She ripped me down with her. My head slammed against my bedpost and fear gripped me. She dug her stained nails into my skin, shoving the pliers into my mouth. They tasted of rust and blood. She wrapped them around the one loose baby tooth. Mine, she snarled and kept repeating it with a growing intensity. Her voice tinged with excitement. The moment my tooth tore from the gum, blinding pain shredded through me, causing me to gag. As my vision went white, the pain vanished, but my body was left in shock, quickly falling numb. And after that, everything went black. Waking hours later, everything looked completely normal. The house was still. The only thing out of place was a small pile of silver coins on the floor and the unbearable painful hole in my jaw. I couldn't possibly have imagined the degree of excruciating pain, but I had no proof it had happened. No one will believe that she was a monster and I'll just be labeled insane again. But I'm not. I've seen her. She haunts me, the evil tooth fairy. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. 
Audio edited and mixed by Calvin Linderman. Additional audio editing by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>